0: Well it's good to see everybody here. Uh, if you're new here just want to welcome you here. My name is Francis Chang. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourner Church um, and uh, if you've been following along uh, whether online at home or in person you know that we've been talking about this whole thing about being light and, and, and being salt right and um, you know we started way back in Uh, the Old Testament and we looked at light and uh, we brought it here and now we're in here in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount and not only does Jesus talk about what it means to be light, but he talks about what it means to be salt. And Here's here's what I want to say. This is so important. Don't just sit there and listen to me, okay? And just like whatever, inside, outside. This is so important. If you have kids today, my guess is you're late in the game. Because the world out there the schools out there, the culture that we live in has already been teaching us and teaching your children about how the world ought to work. And so you try to bring in your ideas about Christianity and your ideas about the Bible, and then all of a sudden you wait until they're like 15, 16 years old to tell them, well, this is what we think. It's not gonna make any sense to them. What are you talking about? Everybody believes this. And so it's important, not just for us as adults, but also for us as children to, to understand uh, not only in our heads, but in our hearts, in our minds, to understand what God is, who God is, so that we can move forward from this passage. And we're going to go into the next few weeks to talk about some of the things that are similar with what, what the world thinks, but also different. And to be clear about that. Especially if you want your faith to grow and if you want your children's faith to grow and continue to grow when they become adults so that the church will grow after you and I pass away. And so this this is why I'm spending so much time because... In the following weeks, I'm going to say some things that you might not agree with. I might say some things that you might be offended by. And, and whatever the issue is and whatever the situation is out there, I just want you to know our role is not to be like in these holy little huddles where we have no idea what the world is going on and, you know, what the world is doing. And neither are we to be out there trying to change or transform the world as if we can make a huge difference and the world is going to be all Christian. That's, I, I think those things are not going to happen and, and shouldn't happen. But whatever your stance on any of the issues we talk about in the following weeks, our role, our our response to the world, Jesus tells you, wherever you are, you are salt and you are light. You are salt and you are light. So I'm going to wrap this passage up by giving you a summary, a quick summary. Three points, okay. Christians are to be salt but also to be light okay that's the first thing i'm going to talk in pairs it's pairs salt and light that's what we're to be the second point here is this salt and light are related like breathing in and breathing out so the first is christians are to be salt and light the second is it's about breathing in and breathing out it's the difference between being and doing and the third point is this we grow we need to grow as salt and light how two things deepening and widening deepening and widening christians are salt and light salt and light are related breathing in and breathing out salt and light is growing by deepening and widening All right, we are looking at those pairs, okay, so let's look at this. Let me just kind of quickly, if you were here with us last week we looked at what salt is. And we said this, that Christians are to be, Jesus says, salt of the earth. Right? And what does that mean? And there are a lot of things and a lot of pastors and teachers say that salt can mean this and this and this. But basically what we said is that salt is a preservative. It's a preservative. And what preservatives do is that it keeps from things falling, falling apart. Right, it, it prevents decay. It wants to hold things together uh, to keep them from falling apart. And that's all to say. All that is to say is this. That as salt, we're simply a positive influence. Just by being salt. And the point I said last week was this. It's not about what, 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 what do we do as salt. But because the way we do salt is this. How does salt work? And the way that salt works is that it just... It's just salt. It's ordinary. It doesn't draw attention to itself. Salt works best when you don't even recognize it's there. It it's kind of works quietly. It's very common. Salt works just by just being salt. It, that's what it does because that's its identity. And and so even though we respond to the world and the decay around us with an idea of preservation, the issue I think Jesus is mentioning, why he mentions Saul first, is because he really wants to talk about change, our identity, just being, simply being who we are because of what we confess and say, I believe. It's like, you know, if an animal goes meow, right? You expect it to be a cat. Because that's what cats do, right? That's its identity. It meows. If the an animal goes woof, then you expect it to be a dog. Why? Because that's what dogs do. They're, they're, that's, what, that's what they are. That's their identity. And you know if something's wrong, like if you have a dog and in front of you it goes woof, but then you catch it on camera that when it's by itself, it starts going meow. You know, it's something off with that, isn't it? It's, it's, something, it's something wrong with that. So being solved is not so much about what what do we do as solved, but it's simply who we are as an identity. Being Christian in the world is not just about doing, in fact, I would say it's not first about doing anything. It's simply about being. It's an identity. And the issue for us is this. Many of us, if you grew up in the church, if you're still in the church, everything you do is very mechanical. Even today, when you come into church, it's mechanical. All oh, tell is church. Oh, I got to get up. Oh, okay. this is the music part. Let's sing a song, you know. And then here it is. We listen to the sermon and we just go through the motions. Uh, that's not what salt is. Some of us, you think it's, it's programmatic. Oh, yeah, I know, you know, Pastor Francis wants us to be salt. So, you know what, you know, Young j just gave that wonderful announcement about the 5K. I'm going to do it. I'm going to run 5K or at least that one mile, you know, and try the best I can. And after I'm done, I'm, I'm salt right? I'm doing it, and it's over, and you never do it. It's not, that's not always talking about. Being salt here, I think Jesus is being a little bit more organic, and you know, I think I've shared this before with some of us. Uh, you know, I, I actually talked to Paul uh, in Cambodia last week, and you know, he's, he's losing some more weight. His hair is kind of grown, He's still going through that COVID phase out there because it's like state of emergency still, and so on and so forth, but um, I remember we were having lunch at this restaurant, and Behind us, right, there was this elderly lady uh, eating um, behind us in the booth. And she had her cane, like, propped up, right, because obviously she couldn't walk very well. And then I was facing her, and and Paul's facing me, and I could see the lady's back of her head and the cane next to her. And then she's done with her meal, and she gets up, and then what happens is she, she reaches out to grab her cane, and she drops it. And... This is, this, is what I, this is what I was thinking in my brain. It took a few seconds, but it, this is what I'm thinking. Hmm. She dropped her cane. I guess I should help her. Because I think that's what good people do and certainly Christians do. But if I help her, how do I do it? What should I say? Do I get up first and run or do I say help? Do you, do you need help? It all took a few seconds, but this, that's what's going through my mind. And by the time I'm finished and ready to do something, Paul's already there and he's already helped her out. just like that. It's organic. Being salt is about character. And obviously Paul has a better character than I do. It's just natural of him because that's what he does, that's who he is. It's about character and Godly character as salt, godly character just leads to godly obedience. Simply by saying, I've been loved by a God who gave me his only son, and so I'm going to live how God wants me to live. Because that's who I am. It's just obedient. And not in the extraordinary sort of way, but in the mundane sort of way, right? I'm just going to be. Who I am as a Christian, obedient, in the way I treat people, in the way I handle pressure, in the way I respond criticism. Everybody else wants to respond back with more criticism. I don't need to do that. And so as salt, there's something distinct about Christians. There ought to be something different when you're salt. Because when you're like this, there's something pretty. There's something beautiful. There's something attractive about a person who just does that. Just by saying, I'm going to live how Jesus wants me to live. Dr. Robert Murray McShane was one of the saints of the last century. And they used to say, this guy, that when you just see him and you meet him, you want to fall on your knees and accept Jesus Christ. Because they were just so attracted to his personality and his demeanor, they found it irresistible. It's not like he was evangelizing. It's not like he was doing some great things. Just meeting him as a person. A bishop of France by the name of Francois Fenelon said this. He had a friend named Lord Peterborough of England. An Earl of England. Who was not a Christian. In fact, he was a skeptic. But one day, uh, Lord Peterborough decided to sleep over at Fenelon's house. And this is what he said. He ran out the next morning. And he said, quote, if I spend another night with that man... I'll be a Christian in spite of myself. And what he meant was that this man's manner, the way he talked, the way he responded was just so irresistibly attractive even to the most worldliest and the most vilest of humanity. Just by being solved. Here's my problem. I was in college and I still remember this. You know, I'm not proud of my college years. I wasn't a Christian. I was more atheist for the first couple years. But started to go back to church and just learning. So I was doing Bible study, one-on-one Bible study. You remember those days? We called it discipleship, one-on-one Bible study with like, you know, and, and there was this Indian guy that was doing Bible study with me, and I meant to go meet him at the student center to, to do Bible study. But, you know, on the way, there was a bunch of uh, sisters, a bunch of girls there just chit-chatting and talking and, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what they were talking about. I really didn't care, but as I walked past them, they stopped me. Hey, Francis, can you come come here for a minute? Come here for a minute. So and so thinks she's not pretty. So and so thinks she's she's not pretty, but that that she's not attractive. Don't you think she's pretty? And then, you know, I'm like, I don't have time for this, and said, No, I don't think she's pretty. I think she's ugly, and I walked away. Right? I look back, and the girl's crying. So obviously there was an issue there, and so I go to the, my Bible study leader and say, Oh, you know, uh, you know, she she. Uh, I just made that girl cry, and he goes, hey, it's okay, let's just do Bible study. (laughs) Here's my problem, right? Uh, I want to be solved, but the way I think I'm being a good Christian is I need to know more. I need to grow more. I need to learn more, and I do more Bible study. And as a pastor, don't get me wrong, some of you need to do more Bible study. That's, That's for sure. But I love Bible study. I love talking about theology. I like listening to sermons in my own time. And a lot of us need that. But but what I also need is some obedience. Right? Just some simple, plain, good, old-fashioned obedience to what I already know. Because if I'm not willing to obey what I already know, like love my neighbor... And I think doing more Bible studying, reading more books, and listening to more sermons is going to make me more like salt and be a better Christian. That's comical. Because then all I'm doing is I'm just getting more information, more information, learning more of what I don't plan to obey. When I can't even do the simple things that's already clear to me. Like love your neighbor. I should have gone to that sister and said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. And so Jesus says in our passage, if salt has lost its taste, what good is it? To believe and not to practice, it's it's worthless. That's what he's saying. You've lost your saltiness. That's what he's saying. And this is hard for many of us, especially in our culture. I don't know about you, but, you know, we live in a place where we're dealing with people who have totally different perspectives. And I want to be liked. I I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the the one that everyone likes. But the problem is like everybody in the world wants to say, hey, look, I'm okay, you're okay. And if I come in and I say, no, I'm not okay, and you're not okay, then all of a sudden, I'm judgmental. And you think that I think I'm better than you because I said, no, I don't think so. And the hard part is that if I trust that, not what I do, but my identity in Jesus Christ because of the who I am, sometimes means I gotta say no, even if I stand up under the weight of rejection, so I could live with some integrity with what I say I believe. If I believe in the love of God, if I believe that Jesus has loved me, he likes me, not because I'm such a great person, but because he's chosen to love me and he's given to me his only son, Jesus Christ, that he loves me just like he loves his only son, then that means that's my identity and ultimately I don't need you to like me. When I've got the love of my Lord and Savior, I still want you to like me. But that's, not what, that's what it means to be soul sometimes. Right? But there's light here. He says, You're light. And we already kind of quickly talked about this, right? Light, it, it shines, it reflects, it, it shows. You live in a way that reflects the truth, that you, what, you, what you say you believe. And, of course, you know, there, there's some overlap here with the idea of salt and light. Right? There's some similarities, right? Some seem to be the same thing. But it's also a little different. Salt is somewhat hidden. Salt, you don't always see it at all. Salt kind of melts away into whatever it flavors or preserves. But light, it, it shines on the outside. Light is open. Light is working visibly. That's why verse 14, it can't be hidden. Verse 15, you can't put it under a basket, but you put it on a stand. So by their good works, you shine your light and you glorify God. And here's what I think the difference is between salt and light. Light means that there is an intentional, deliberate, honest, genuine outworking of my faith. And part of that work it's just speaking truth. Just speaking the truth of the gospel. Just saying it. Let me ask you a question. Those of you who work out there in the world, because, you know, I, I don't engage, but you do. Do the people you work with, do they know you're a Christian? Have you ever shared your faith? Do they ever ask you, you know, you're a little different. Oh, what is it? Do you ever say that to anyone? Um, you know, hey, let's let's hang out on Sunday. No, I can't because I got to What? I gotta go to church. (laughs) Right? Do they know? And so, part of deliberately being honest and showing the outwork of genuine faith is sharing truth. And that's hard because we live in a what we call a postmodern, they say, idea of truth. You know, in modernism, some years ago before, everything was scientific. Oh, yeah, you think Christianity is true? Prove to me. Prove to me it's true, right? And so we came up with all these arguments, all these proofs, and all these little debates. But now they say, you know, sociologists say we live in a postmodern world, and everyone is skeptical, not only of religion, but also even of science. So they're not saying anymore, prove to me it's true. They're saying, what is truth? How do you know? For sure. Anything. Truth is more fluid now. And you ask that kind of person, well, what's true for you? And and they respond something like this. "It, It depends. What's true for you is not true for me. What's true for that culture may not be true for this culture. What's true in this situation may not be true in another situation. Because there are no absolute truths. There are no absolute truths. That's what our world t- tends to believe. Now, of course, you could respond to that by saying, is that statement, there's no absolute truth, is that statement absolute? And you can take the conversation that way. But... The point here is being light is not going to be easy, and and sometimes we need to engage with that, but we need to really understand what it means to to speak truth. But the second thing about being light is that it's not just words, but it's our overt, open, godly conduct. You see, we're not to be the subtle influence just like salt, but we're also to be very open and blatant influence as light. Because here's the thing, salt can't change corruption into incorruption salt as a preservative uh responds to decay what it wants to do is hold back corruption you, you see the difference it can hold back it wants to restrain evil it wants to restrain injustice it wants to restrain corruption but it can't change corruption into goodness you know i, I don't know about you those of us with children at home my kids are teaching me all the time. Dad, you can't say that today. That's racist. Dad, you can't do that. That's racist. And my initial response is, yo, shut the heck up. I say whatever I want to say because I'm your daddy. Dad, oh, my God, dad, you're so ignorant. All right, and you're so woke, right, and I'm so asleep. But you can't say that, dad. That's just wrong. You can't say that anymore. You're dropping an F-bombs and you drop dropping, you know, but you can't say that one. It's racist. Like, here, I, I, racism is sin, okay? Can we agree on that? It's wrong. I hope there's nobody in here that says, well, it's wrong for you, but not wrong for me. No, no, no. It's it's evil, it's wrong, and it's right that that we as Christians and even non-Christians get into the public sphere and do something about it. Say something about it. You know, you see something, you say something, and change the laws. So there are repercussions to to some of these issues. It's great. But here's the question that I'm going to ask you. Because we change the laws, does that make people less racist? Or does it make us just less vocal? So I'm home. I'm with my kids. And I see something on TV and I want to say something, but I don't because my kids, they're going to call me out on it. I'm still thinking it. My heart's still feeling it. It's great for the protection of everyone. We need to do this as salt. We need to protect the world for everyone else and not just for our sakes. But as a light, we we don't want to just restrain racism. We want racists to turn into people who love everyone. And laws are not going to do that. It might control behavior. It can't change the heart. And so we need to turn on the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that has changed not only our behavior but also our heart that transforms corruption into incorruption. That's what we want. And we need therefore to speak the truth. We're the reflector of that perfect light. We reflect that light and we're in places where he's put us acting as preservatives and when we do that We also need to sometimes act as light, say it, do it, be it. And when we do this, we are revealing that there is something greater than us in the universe, greater than my free time, greater than my money, greater than my gifts, greater than even my life. There's someone greater than me, more important than me, that I've got to share with you. And so Jesus says, let your light shine before men. So that they might see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Okay. So there's salt and light. Second thing here is this. There's a connection now. You, you, you're following me. There's a connection then between salt and light. And the best way I could illustrate this is about breathing. We, we breathe in two ways. We breathe in and we breathe out. If you just breathe in, you're going to die. If you just breathe out, you're going to die. We, we need to do both. And in the same way, I think there's a connection between salt and light. Notice this. Jesus says, you are salt. And then he also says, a verse later, you are light. But it's the same you. He's talking to the same people. He's talking to the same church. In other words, you've got to be both. You've got to be salt and light. And I think the problem for many of us here, even for myself, is this. Some of us, we're just salt. You've got Christian character. You're living your life faithfully in your spheres of influence. You're just kind of doing your thing, but being faithful to the Lord, and you're just salt. But you've got no light. There's no outward expression. There's no outward reaching out. There's no outward sharing of the gospel truth in any way. And others of us, you're light. You're saying all the things, you're reaching out, you're doing all the good works, you're, you're, you're sharing the gospel. But behind closed door, you're not salt. And you need both. And so salt and light balance each other, right? Salt is more about being. Salt is about our character. It's about our life. Light is more about deliberate doing and speaking. But you have both sides. We need both. On the one hand, we live it. On the other hand, we proclaim it. In our words, in our actions. On the one hand, from the inside, we influence people around us just by the power and testimony of our lives. On the other hand, we turn on the light so that everyone can be clear about the message we want to give. You can't just be salt. But you can't just be light either. It's like breathing in. Salt is breathing in. You're spiritually growing deepening in your faith and your relationship with Christ and your character grows in a life of obedience. We need to breathe in. That's salt. But we've also got to be light. We need to breathe out to those around us. We've got to have the character and the influence so that our message is believable and our actions are credible. You're not going to prove to anyone that God is there by facts and figures. No one cares. No one's not sh- anyone. No one's sure about that. Everyone's a skeptical. But you can show them. So being salt then means that we are growing in a way that transforms us, that changes us, so that all of us uh, are not just about all of us. Only us. But being salt and growing as salt means that we're getting out of just being wrapped up in ourselves. And we're looking towards those outside of ourselves, outside of this group, outside of this church. Isn't that why Jesus died? I mean, think about this. Did Jesus die so that you could say, hey, I'm a Christian now, and you just kind of pat yourself on the back and say, hey, be like me. No one's going to want to be like you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this, he died for all, why? So that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake was died and raised. And so from now on, we look at people differently. That's what Paul says. And that simply means this, I'm a sinner saved by grace and nothing else. And I want to share that grace with you. I'm just a beggar showing all the other beggars where the bread is. And being salt, my character, therefore, enables me to become light. Being salt of the earth, I think the connection here leads to becoming light of the world. In other words, the more we understand ourselves in relationship to this great God, the more we ought to understand ourselves in relationship to the people, to the world, and to the culture we live in. That's what Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, God, who first ordered light to shine in the darkness has flooded our hearts with his light so that we can now enlighten people only because we can give them the knowledge of the glory of God as we see it in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay? So there's that connection. Here's salt and light, right? There's breathing in, breathing out. You need both, right? Not just character and influence but also action and and truth. And the last point here is is this is what we need. We need deepening and we need widening. Deepening. My character, my, my obedience, my, my identity, my understanding of God, it needs to deepen. And here's the problem. It, just, we're talking about growing, but here's the problem. I like speed. Not the drug, okay, but the, I like things fast. And even though sometimes I know things are going to be slow, I know it's going to be slow. But I still get frustrated. Right? For example, those of you who, who commute from the city and into, into church and you have to go back on Sunday. Look... I feel you. I'm so thankful you're here and that you're willing to make that trek out here. I know it's hard, but you know every Sunday, most likely every Sunday, especially these Sundays, there's traffic. And there's that bridge traffic and you're stuck. You know you're going to be stuck there for a little while. But even though you know it, you know, church is over, you're driving back and there's like a 45-minute wait just to get to the bridge. And you're like, oh my God, what's going on? (laughs) Right? You already know, but you're still frustrated. That's how we are. It's Friday night, right, maybe it's Mother's Day. You didn't make any reservations, but you do what we do. We we take a whole family out to dinner and say, "Let's go out together, celebrate Mother's Day." It's Friday night, looking for dinner at seven p.m. and you're just seeing it. There's no reservations, but there's lines out the door. And say, "Hey, how about that restaurant?" You know it's going to be true. You know it's going to be hard, but you're still frustrated. Hey, let's check it out. And so you send out one of the kids. You know, get out, get out, and go see what how long the wait is, right? But you know the wait. And people are standing in line. They're they've got chairs. They're they're pitching tents and and and. and it's it's going to be a long wait. And they come back and they say, No, dad, it's a 45 minute wait. We got to find someplace else. There's no way you're going to find You know, it's going to be long. But you're like, What, what in the world? And, and that's how we are. That's how we're built. And when it comes to deepening our faith, when it comes to growing, when it comes to maturing our spiritual growth, here's what you need to understand growing this way, deepening our faith, which we need as salt, is no superhighway, it's a crawl. It's a crawl. Are you growing? You can't see growth. Look, 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 if you see kids, you can stare all that you want. I'm gonna watch you right now. I'm gonna see how much you grow within the next hour. (laughs) You you can't, right? You, You can stare all you want. You don't watch growth. You can measure it, right? But you're not going to feel it. You're not aware of it. You know? And then one day, you know, your kids hug you or you see them at church and you realize, man, it looks like they grew overnight. They didn't grow overnight. They've just been growing little by little every day. It's slow. We need to deepen. But it takes time. And we need to remember that. It's like marriage. You know, I, I, I do... Some premarital counseling, and, you know, it's the same thing. <laughs> no, I don't want to downplay anyone um, um. <laughs> who's getting married or, or is married. But, you know, it's the same thing. No matter what I ask them, oh, no, no, you're right, Pastor Francis. You know, I love him. He's so adorable. And the way this reason works is because he's laid back and I'm not. And so this works. And the husband was like, "Oh you no, know, oh, no, don't worry, Pastor Francis. My wife, you know, she's a firecracker. I, you know, she's spicy, and I love that. You know, that's why I want to marry her, and this, that's why this works." Five years later, I talk to them and say, "Pastor Francis, my, my wife's got to change. Can't take it anymore. She's too spicy." Wife comes to me, "Oh, Pastor Francis, no, marriage is not working out. I, my husband's got to change. He's too laid back." He's the man up. The very thing that you you liked your husband and wife for now becomes the very thing that's annoying you. And now you're just like, you got to change. And the beginning was like, you know, she loves me the way I am. And I love her the way she is. And now you got to change. And because it's not changing, it's so slow, it's not happening. I don't see any change. What we do is we give up. Just give up. We give up on changing. It's too slow. We give up too soon. We we walk away too quickly. And we're not patient enough. But we need to deepen. It takes time. The second thing we need to do here is this. Not only as salt do we deepen our understanding and our relation with Christ, growing and maturing in our faith, we widen. Salt becomes light. Light goes out to everyone. We need to widen our response. Not just Christianity, not just about me and just a few people around me, it it goes wide. Because here's the thing, one pastor, Skip Ryan, he said it this way, he says this, what goes deepest to your heart will go widest to the world. What goes deepest to your heart, salt, will go widest to the world, light. And when I talk about widening, look, I'm not asking you to become missionaries, unless you want to be. I'm not asking you to to do something extraordinary for the world or to change the, the, the system, unless you want to try it. But it's simply talking about widening your life in the ordinary, mundane of your life. I mean, that's what God does. He uses the simple, the mundane, the everyday, the routine, the common things for the most amazing purposes. And, you know, like that that's what he does from the very beginning, right? He made man. He didn't use gold. He didn't use silver. He didn't use iron. He, he used dirt. And Adam says, you made me up. I want to be obedient. What do you want me to do? Well, Until he got into a relationship and that kind of messed everything up. buddy. But that's how it kind of works. You know, he, he, he called David to deliver Israel from the Philistines, right? He, he could have used Saul, the great king, but he didn't want to use Saul. He didn't want to use his big weapons and his big armor. He used a shepherd with a couple of stones. And David just said, well, what do you want me to do? Jesus himself came into the world. He didn't enter a family of wealth and nobility. He didn't find himself born in a castle. He chose a peasant girl in a stable. And Jesus says, not my will, but yours. What do I want you to do? And he chose the 12. He didn't choose the elite, the educated, the most affluent. He chose a group of ignorant Galileans. And all they said was, well, where do you want us to go? Just faithful obedience in where they were. Widening to the people they run into. And that's how it's always been. God gets the greater glory in the humbleness and the obedience of those he uses. Jesus says, you are salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything. But if you will commit to deepening your understanding, your relationship, if you will commit to to bringing what you're hearing and learning down into your heart, deep into your life, growing your saltiness you will become light of the world. Because what goes deepest to your heart will go widest to the world. And Jesus says, you are light of the world. And if you are, you will be seen. It will be impossible to hide against the backdrop of a broken world that we live in. I want you to ask yourself two questions. Number one, what did you give up on too soon? Who did you give up on too soon? What did you walk away from too quickly? Patience for growth. And the second question, where do I need to be obedient in my life? Where... That God has asked me to do something and I said no. Where do I need to be obedient? Let's start there. Ask yourself those two questions deepening and widening, salt and light. Breathe in and then breathe out. Now, maybe you're not there, but if Jesus said we could be like this, don't you think he can be trusted? to lead us there, even though we struggle. I hope we do. Let's pray.